Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. I'm excited today. Uh, we're kicking off our, our series. It's, we actually have five Sundays in May, so the, the series covers all, all of the month of May. We're calling it These Are My People, and we're going to look at the, the big picture today and then what that means for us as God uh, fashions all these pieces that we're looking at today into uh, what he calls us to do. And then we're going we're, we're gonna to finish uh, on the, the last Sunday of the month with... Um, what, what Jesus left us to do as our main mission uh, on planet Earth. Um, so uh, as, we, you know, as we look at this, this series, really the, the overall big idea for the series is that, that our lives together are always to be centered on Jesus. My life is to be centered on Jesus, but if my life is centered on Jesus and it's not together with the ones he gathers to follow him, I'm missing the mark. And if I'm just about community and not Jesus, I'm missing the point of it all. So it's, it's our lives centered on Jesus. And yeah, we have individual races to run, but like Hebrews tells us, we, we run it together. There's a lot of we's and us's and ours in that passage in Hebrews that, that tells us about, about following him um, and, and walking this out uh, together. Um, and, and during this message today and really each week moving forward, we're, we're going to answer two questions every week and all throughout the, 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 the series. What's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Um, to come and hear a good message and then be like, that was a great message of truth and then not, and then not really respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. Personally, I'm, I'm missing the point. Uh, I got to know what he's saying to me. And any good study of scripture is, what's the, what's the passage say? And then, and then what's the, the context then and what's the context now? And then how do I apply it? Applying it, if you ever did any hermeneutic studies, $10 word for studying scripture properly or most, most healthily, I guess, it's always has application in there for me, not just it's a good word or that's for somebody else, you know, elbowing somebody around you, uh, but, but being mindful of, Lord, you're speaking to me uh, today. Uh, and I want to read you something I felt that like the Lord gave me for this, for us, for this series, as we look at these are my people. Uh, and I just thought it was best since I felt like he gave it to me that I just, I read it and I not try to uh, do it from memory. We are a Jesus-centered church that is in love with the written word of God, is led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and lives in a way that declares Jesus is the one and only. For 2,000 years, people have placed their faith in Jesus, believed he is the hope of the world, have shown love and compassion, even when it hasn't been shown to them, and have sacrificed for and served others expecting nothing in return. And these people have been pieced together, which is what we're looking at today, by God's master plan of redemption to love and rely on each other, that's next week, to do life and grow together while standing out in this life of faith, that's week number three. And these redeemed people, we are saved by Jesus 
to thrive and not survive, but thrive as we follow him only. And we are commissioned to forcefully and graciously, and that's sometimes a struggle and the tension of it, but we are commissioned by Jesus to forcefully and graciously advance the good news of Jesus to a world that is far from God with this message that Jesus is the answer. We take the good news to the lost, to the wayward, to the broken, to the religious, to the prideful, the ignorant, and to the displaced people who need a savior, a friend, a family, a a purpose, and a future. That's why we declare, these are my people. And that's what it's all about, the way he pieced it together to declare, these are my people, and we're all a part of the whole. So our big idea today as we look at pieces is we're going to look at how God put it all together. And I think it's always best when you're looking at a big picture of God to take one of the big passages of scripture and and look at the overview. And I never can get away from the best one being John chapter 1. John 1, especially verses 1 through 18. I love it in in the NLT and I think the Christian Standard Bible, it calls it the prologue of Jesus, which means the story before the story. It's really the in the beginning before we read about in the beginning. And I want to read verses 1 through 18. And pay attention as you hear this, because you can turn to it if you want, but it's not going to be on the screen. But as you listen to it, it's the big Jesus before creation. And then he comes down and he says, and I've included people as a part of what I'm doing. So listen to this. So John the Apostle is writing it, and and he refers to John the Baptist. Sometimes, you know, we get a little confusing, uh, confused when we read because there's, there's two Johns in here and it's like, which one? Well, this is John the Apostle, follower of Jesus. Uh, obviously, John the Baptist was too, but writing about him. So when, you, when he says John, that's what he's talking about, the, the baptizer. So in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Talking about Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about this light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, he illuminates truth to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. That's what Emmanuel, God with us, means. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He had grace towards us and he showed perfect truth and spoke perfect truth to us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming 
after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus opened a way for us to have a personal, real relationship with God. So John, the author, takes us back to before Genesis 1 here so that we can understand the the proper order of of God's perfectly pieced together master plan of redemption, purpose, meaning, and hope for mankind. And, And that's always so important to get into our minds and into our hearts and live out of, that we see the way God has put the story together. When Jesus appears on the scene just a few verses later as they, as they walk it out, he, he appears and he gets baptized. A lot of y'all have probably read that before. John the Baptist sees the point of it all in a more, more clear fashion. You ever follow Jesus and you don't quite understand what's going on and all of a sudden he shows you something, oh, I get it. I trusted you, you're faithful, I didn't understand, now I get it, I see. So John sees him, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. He knows his place, and he knows the peace he plays in God's redemptive plan. John's crucial to, to the story of Jesus' ministry, but, but he's just a piece, and there's a bigger picture. You see, it's always all about Jesus. He is how God pieced it together and still pieces it together for us and for his desire to save all of mankind. The story of God is what it's all about. He's the author, the producer, the director. Jesus is the central character of the story. And we all have really teeny, tiny cameos in the story. Think of it as a movie and you've got five seconds on screen. And then so often we're like, that five seconds is the greatest five seconds in all eternity. Because we, we forget who the story's about. And it's like, well, I go to church and I believe and I know, but I got this to do and that to do and this is important. Have you not seen what's going on, God? And all the stuff that, that where we try to take away the scene from Jesus, and he says, I love you, and I love what, what I've called you to do, and it's, it's huge, and it's important. At the same time, not really, and compared to me. There's a way God's piece it together that makes perfect sense and comes to a perfect conclusion, giving us a truly perfect life to live if we follow, and we live in that. And there's a huge traumatic danger about getting too caught up in our own story. You look at Adam and Eve. They, they missed the point of it all. And they bought into a lie. And look what happened. You look at King Saul. He, he let fear of man lead his life instead of following God and the, the spiritual uh, mentors that God placed in his life. The story of Cain and Abel from Genesis, the two brothers, 
What a sad story. Cain lived a life of comparison and, and he paid more attention to what he believed he wasn't getting from God. And not only did it lead him to live his own life and him believe he's the, the, the point of it all, but he murders his own brother. King Uzziah is from, from 2 Chronicles 26 is probably one of, the, one of my, my favorite kind of uh, warning stories. Uh, he loved God and he followed God and he did some amazing things. And, and God has the author write some great things about him. But, but along the way of following God and, and, and leading the people towards God, he, he sees all this success and power and he masses strong army and all this stuff. And all of a sudden he thinks so much of himself to the point where he's like, I'll just do all the spiritual things because I'm obviously so gifted or, or blessed or so many positive things are happening. What could go wrong if I take over? And he gets struck with leprosy. And this man, now God's faithful in loving him and, and he's, he's living in eternity right now with God because he was a God follower, but, but it says at the end of his life, he's buried with his forefathers and the people said, he had leprosy. All the great things he did. All the great things he did. And his legacy was left with, he had leprosy. Does it mean God didn't love him? No. It means that he got off track and began to focus on King Uzziah and all of his accomplishments as opposed to Jesus. Well, God at the time, but for us it'd be Jesus. It, all those stories, they, they went on their own. It's what I love about, about Joseph. He, he lived the it's not about you lifestyle. I mean, I read the story of Joseph and I don't know what he figured was going on, but if, if I'm Joseph, I'd be like, what did I do wrong? I mean, I'm trying, I, I would probably be like, I think I'm following you right and good grief. But we don't read that about it. I would be Scott. That's why I'm not in the Bible, right? Uh, but we read his story on this side of seeing the whole thing play out. He had to live every day in that. Sold by his brothers. They pretended he was dead. They lied to dad. He's, in th he's this slave. He gets accused of this thing. He just stays with a life of integrity and pointing to God. And they're, oh, tell us this dream. Okay, I forget about you again. And all the stuff. And he just kept following God because the story was about God and not Joseph. It's not about you. And it's not about me. But God still loves us. And he wants us to have an amazing, abundant life in following him. He saves us individually. And then he puts us into this story that's all about Jesus and about doing life with one another. But again, it's not about you and me. And we can make so much of the small and transient, or we can choose to make so much of the glorious and the eternal. Our desire with this, with this message today, and really as we look throughout this series, is that we would we learn to trust God and his plan and then proclaim it and live in it and live out of it and call others to, to know Jesus. And then we do it together. It's not that, that you and I don't matter or that we don't have a part to play, 
I mean, we were on his mind long before the very smallest piece of the universe was created. He was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. He was thinking of who you would marry, the child you would have, the, the, the place he would, he would put you, the, the way he would design your character and your personality and the things that make you come alive. You, you were on his mind. But we have to get the story straight and see that he's the only one that, that pieces it together. Otherwise, everything in life gets, gets out of sync and, and it gets about us and we will either, either willingly or ignorantly start to follow our own path. Even if we keep coming to church, we can follow our own path. So it's, it's saying, God, I wanna, I wanna know all about you. Holy Spirit, I want you to illuminate stuff in my life. I want you to, to make me come alive. I want you to, to get rid of the junk in my life. I want you to turn me into the image of Jesus. And I want to do that with other people who are also in process. And they've got as many or maybe more or some of them less problems than me. But I do not expect them to be perfect. Even though sometimes I expect them to be perfect. So thank you for your grace, God. But we cannot do it on our own. We have got to do it together. And there's a lost and dying world out there. If we follow Jesus, we're saved. Like, we're set. I wouldn't want any of us to go the King Uzziah route. But he was still God's child. He still found eternity in heaven. Even though he blew it. And it ended with a, a sad, sad ending. And he had leprosy was his legacy. He was still saved, but he had less of an influence at the end of his life, you and I are called to live an abundant life till our last breath. Yes. Till our very last breath. And so we've got to get the story right and see how God pieces it all together and, and what that means, what that looks like, and what, what I'm called to do in that. Life is short. Our time on earth is really brief. That's why we got to make sure that our lives are live for something beyond ourselves. So what's God saying to you? You. What's he saying to you? And then what are you gonna do about it? I love what Paul writes in, in Colossians chapter one, this beautiful big picture. And I'm gonna start reading in verse 21, but I wanna back up a second. In verse 19, he said, for God in all his fullness, he's talking about the, the supremacy of Christ. He said, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Jesus and through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of the blood of Christ on the cross, which we're going to celebrate in a little bit. And then in verse 21, he said, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Does it say you will become holy and blameless? No. Are we becoming holy and blameless? Yes, but we're also holy and blameless without a single fault standing before God. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached 
all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. We can also substitute ourselves there. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Vinton, have been commissioned to preach it all over. I, Paul, I, Jeremy, I, Deb, have been commissioned by God to preach it all over the world in whatever way that looks like. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but it's now been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches of the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. Some of your versions will say, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, that's you. Jesus in you is the hope of glory for those who are lost. Because you're set. I mean, we have a hope. We've got it. Others can step into that. Through Jesus, everything was put back together for the once far away from God. That's how God pieces it all together, according to what Paul starts off writing there. Verses 24 through 27 here, it tells us that that we're saved to continue Jesus' mission on planet Earth, to seek and save the lost, Luke 19.10, to finish the job, to complete the puzzle he's completing the puzzle where the puzzle pieces there are more pieces that he wants added and we do our part to see the the puzzle completed so at the end of time when God says that's the last person in the history of the world that will accept Jesus and he'll roll back the curtain and he'll start our eternity becoming holy and blameless like Paul writes it's It's way too difficult for us to accomplish on our own. It's why every saved person is being honed and shaped by the Holy Spirit in us. And why every saved person is being honed and shaped by the Holy Spirit in other people. The Holy Spirit works in me. He also works through others in me. You've got to have other people. They've got stuff from the Holy Spirit for you. Real life groups, Bible studies, serving on teams, being at camp and being a volunteer and just laughing and loving kids. You have to place yourself into community because there are people who have the spirit-filled gifts that that God wants to use from them for you to turn you into the very image of Jesus. That transformation, which is your story, gives hope to this hopeless world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's your testimony as you tell people the good news. Remember, we're saved to be supporting characters in the story of God. And every scene of our lives should point to the one and only answer, the one and only character that makes anything in the story work out at all. So what's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? I'm going to ask the, uh, the ushers to begin handing around, passing out the uh, communion elements, and we're going to take that in a moment. So when you get your, uh, your little cup and your bread, just hang on to it. There's a passage in Hebrews 12 that I want to read to us, and it, and it points to the cross, and it points to what we celebrate. Hebrews 12, verse 1, first of all, says this. We studied this the other day in, in our Wednesday Night Live. And it was just the most fantastic time. And studied it in the men's group the next morning. 
Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You see, Jesus perfectly ran the course that you've been given to run. So he knows how to help you and I along the way. The Holy Spirit shows us where there's obstacles and, and uh, if, if there's different things to go on, he shows us which one to, to, to run down. He's, he's our guide. He's our counselor. That's part of his job in, in our lives. And so the Holy Spirit shows us how to run this race. Every step we take, he longs to direct. He reveals one piece of the puzzle and then another one like he's letting us see God form it and fashion it. And over time, we can go, oh, I think I know what's going on here. I can see that part of the story. I have no idea what's going on over there, but I trust you because you've been faithful all along this way. He, God lets us see how, the, how, how us as a piece of the puzzle fits perfectly with others. And how we're interconnected and we need one another. We've got wonky edges. Like puzzles aren't made straight. I hate puzzles, by the way. Um, so uh, it's a life of faith following God's puzzle thing. But uh, I'm not a puzzle guy. I'd be like, just give me one picture. I'm good. But uh, that's me. And I want that. And God's like, you're not getting that, Scott. That's not healthy. But puzzle pieces have all these shapes and turns and curves. And one piece needs the other piece to connect in it. And that's what God's piecing together for us. And then verse 2 goes on. He says, we do this. We run the race with endurance by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus starts it all, and then he completes our faith in him. And why wouldn't Jesus want to run alongside you and cheer you on if you were the joy waiting for him at the end of the cross? You were. You are. For it, maybe you're in here, or you're listening, or you're watching, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. He saw you, and his desire to have you and save you, and then give you eternity, was the joy that kept him going during the torment and pain and torture of the cross. Because he said, I get the reward. The reward isn't, look at me, I'm Jesus. The reward is, look who I saved. Look who I saved. That's the puzzle piece I wanted. That's why I bled. That's why I was tormented. That's why they, I let him beat me, because I got him back. I got her back. I got to adopt them into the family of God. That's what we celebrate every time we take communion together. We celebrate the joy that, that Jesus saw. We celebrate that, that he said, hey, here's my body. And I came here and became one of you to save all of you. Word made flesh. I came here. To, to make my home among you 
so that, so that I could give my body eventually. I didn't come here just to live 33 years and say some cool things and do some amazing stuff. I came here to die and beat sin and death. I came here just to give you my body. And he said, so my body is broken for you. I love the scene with the, the disciples at the Last Supper and he's just tearing the bread. And he's saying, this is me. And then he... And then as he's tearing it and he's giving it to him and he's saying, man, remember, remember this moment, guys, because you're going to need, you're going to need this to motivate you for what come, what's coming because it's going to be hard for you too. But I'm enduring the most pain and the most hardship so I can set you on a course to be able to make it through and you'll have the Holy Spirit guiding you through everything you walk through. But remember, I gave you my body. And so he he gave himself for you and I. And as you hold up your, your bread right now, if you could just hold it up high or low, however you want to do it. Look at that. Yours is a cracker. Mine's a little piece of bread. On its own, it's just a cracker, a little piece of bread. But it represents Jesus Christ saying, I took it all because I wanted you. You were the joy that I saw. You were so worth it. If Jesus were here right now, he'd say, you're so worth it. Yeah. I, I hope we have communion in heaven. I have no idea. At least once. And I hope Jesus leads it. Yeah. And he just says, ah, you were so worth it. This is the moment I waited for. Like, you get to be with me for eternity. That's why I was so happy go through it all. So Father God, just like Jesus did on that night with the, with the disciples, we thank you for God, first of all, you giving up your son for us. How hard would that have been? And Jesus, you giving up your body for us. And so we thank you for it and we take it fully knowing that we are set in you and saved by you for all eternity. Thank you for the the body, Jesus. You can take your bread now. Then he took that cup. It's full of wine. You've got juice. It's red. And it represents the blood poured out. A blood sacrifice had to be offered for sin. A spotless lamb had to be offered that was valuable that had no, it wasn't tainted in any way so that sins could be forgiven. And they did it all the time. And then Jesus said, once and for all, I will go to the cross and I will nail your sins to the cross and I will shed my blood. I'll pour it all out and my blood will cover your sins for all time for every single person. And he took that cup and he passed it around. He said, guys, pay attention to this. My blood's gonna be poured out for you and then you're gonna start doing this when, when you gather with communities. So do this in community. The blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. There's nothing you've done at all. Nothing you will do moving forward that is not covered by the blood of Christ. You are saved, set free, bought back by the precious blood of Jesus. So Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We're forgiven. The debt's been canceled. We owe you nothing. And then you ask us to just live that same way. So remembering the supreme act of love of all time, 
Let's take the, the cup right now and remember what Jesus did for us. And then let's stand. I'm going to pray as we go into worship. And we're going to worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you did to save us, to, to buy us back, to, to set us uh, in a relationship with the living God. Thank you for becoming the word made flesh and dwelling among us and running this race that, that we're called to run, but you, you ran a harder race and you ran it perfectly. And so you know what it takes. And then you just love to just cheer alongside of us and go, well done. Hey, I know you tripped. Let me help you up. Thank you for your faithfulness to us at the cross, but also your faithfulness every day of our lives. And thank you for calling us to be a part of a group, a body, a family that does this together. None of us have to be lone rangers or islands unto ourselves. Thank you for making a way where there was no way and then saying, you can do it. I think of that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. I think of uh, Abraham. I think of Moses and King David just jumping up and down. He's looking at us right now. I don't get it, but you say it happens. And he's looking down. He's like, y'all are doing it, Hill Country Fellowship. And Paul's standing there going, I knew you could do this. And Peter's going, if I could do it, any of you can. And then one day when we run across that finish line, you're right there. You're the first high five. You're the first hug. You're the first one giving us a cup of cold water. You are our ultimate cheerleader, the champion, the author, the perfecter. That's who you are. You won the race. You wrote the race. And then, and then you, you called us into this race. And then, and then you show us how to do it. And I thank you for that. Thank you for being a God that doesn't just save us and let us be to ourselves. But you are intimately involved in our lives. And so I pray that we would ask the question nonstop, what are you saying to me, God? What are you saying to me right now? And we'd hear you. During these songs of worship, we'd hear you. And then we'd answer the question, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about what you're saying to me right now? So I pray you're honored today and blessed by our worship, by our song, by our response. Maybe somebody coming up to the altar. I pray you're blessed as we, as we let go of some distractions and just focus on you for three songs. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.